Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We've said it many times on this podcast, life is hard. We try and try, how do we persevere through life? Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with some answers. When we are run down in the faith, um, may we remember those who have come before us to help build this church who gave their time and talent and treasure and their laughter and their love that we and others might have hope and know Jesus. May we remember their dedication and therefore may we not grow weary as we remember their sacrifice. Today I have two passages to read to you all that we will be looking at. Both passages, passages have the title and the theme verse of today's sermon. Do not be weary in doing good. If you're feeling weary in doing good as a parent, a business person, an entrepreneur, a friend in a relationship, a public servant, maybe a spouse in a difficult marriage, or maybe in a struggle for justice, then you have come to the right place. Hopefully, we will get some new perspectives and hope and strength and some tools. So please stand, if you're able, as I read today's scripture passages. First, a letter to the church of Thessalonica, the same church Jenny preached on last week from 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 to 13. And here's what it says. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. And now a letter from Apostle Paul to the church of Galatia, Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Those who sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. <clears throat> do not be weary in doing good. It's a tough world. Sometimes I feel it is so easy for people to do bad and make the world go wrong, and it's so hard to do good. 
Easy to deceive, harder to seek the truth. Easy to attack, harder to defend. Easy to tear down, harder to build up. And when you're trying to reconcile and forgive or do justice on this earth, one can be weary in doing good. It was so hard for Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi and Jesus Christ to do good. And they all paid the ultimate price for their efforts. They were killed. One can look at that and say, what's the point in trying to do good? You lose your life. Well, it's hard to tell people about Jesus in a non-believing world. It's hard to fight for justice. It's hard to be a good, forgiving friend. It's hard to be a forgiving parent showing unconditional love. It's hard to do good. So what is the good that we're to do? Well, for one, as Christians we know, is to actually communicate with people about Christ. Let your neighbors, your colleagues at work, classmates at school, know that God loves them and that Jesus is worth following. Doing good is attempting to live like how Christ would want us to live, forgiving, reconciling, always pointing to God as our true hope and purpose in life. As our vision and mission statement say of our church, we are called to love God, to love people, to reach the world for Christ, to help people find their destiny in Christ. And Paul says, don't be idle in doing this. Now, why is it weary in doing good as a parent, as a boss, as an entrepreneur, a student, a city and county worker, a mental health worker, or one who works in the military or medical field? Why do we get weary? Well, my first point might not be surprising. It's that life is hard. We can get weary when we have unrealistic ideas of what life is like. We think it should be easy, and we're constantly disappointed when we find out that life is not easy. What is life like? It's hard. Some people get surprised that life is hard. And one way we don't get weary is to be prepared to train for hard because that is what life is like. Duke um, women's basketball coach, Carol Lawson, once talked to her basketball team about what life is like. So put on your seatbelts. Here's a clip of this dynamic coach. I, I was talking with, with Shay a couple days ago, and one of the things we talked about was um, how we all wait in life for things to get easier. Think in your own life if you've waited for something to get easier. Oh, I just got to get through this, and then it'll be easy. I've just got to get through preseason and then it'll be okay. I've just got to get through my junior year of high school and then the classes are going to get easier. Or I've just got to get to my spring and my senior year of college and it's going to be easier. It's what we do. We wait for stuff to get easier. It will never get easier. What happens is you handle hard better. That's what happens. Most people think that it, it's going to get easier. Life is going to get easier. Basketball is going to get easier. School is going to get easier. It never gets easier. What happens is you become someone that handles hard stuff better. So that's a mental shift that has to occur in each of your brains. It has to. Because if you go around waiting for stuff to get easier in life, it's never going to happen. And then what happens? Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, this, I don't know. When, it, when is it going to be easy for me? Oh, it's easy for other people. It's not. It's hard. And the second we see you handling stuff, handling hard better, what are we going to do? We're going to make it harder. 
we're going to make it harder because we're preparing for you for when you leave here. Not just basketball and life. And if you think life when you leave college is going to be all of a sudden get easy because you graduated and you got a new degree, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. So make yourself a person that handles hard well. Not someone that's waiting for the easy. Because if you have a meaningful pursuit in life, it will never be easy. If you're trying to win a championship, if you're trying to have a family, ask your parents. Do you think it was ever easy for them to raise kids? Karen, is it easy? It's not. Any meaningful pursuit in life, if you want to be successful at it, it goes, it goes to the people that handle hard well. Those are the people that get the stuff they want. People that wait around for easy, you probably see them at the bus stop. They're waiting for easy, the easy bus to come around. Easy bus never comes around. You've got to handle hard. Okay, so don't get discouraged through this time. If it's hard, don't get discouraged. It's supposed to be. And don't wait for it to be easy. Oh, I just got to get through the summer. And then it'll all of a sudden get easy in the fall. No, it won't. It won't. It won't get easy in the fall. So make yourself someone that handles hard well. And then whatever comes at you, you're going to be great. You're going to be great, okay? You know, if you've ever been on a sports team, uh, you know coaches talk tough like that. And they want you to be prepared. The late uh, Alabama football coach, um, Bear Bryant, once said, I make my practices real hard because if a player is a quitter, I want him to quit in practice, not in a game. A coach's goals are always high. I don't know of any NFL coach that says, let's have a losing season. No, they normally say, let's go to the playoffs and then let's go to the Super Bowl. A good coach says the game is hard. And in our scripture passage, St. Paul is saying, life is hard, but don't be weary in doing good. Good coaches prepare us for reality. Now, the first line in the best-selling book, um, A Road Less Traveled, maybe you read it by Scott Peck, is life is difficult. He wrote that because it's the truth. Life is just hard whether you follow Jesus or not. The second reason we get weary is that we have a supernatural evil power working against us. The secular world doesn't believe in him, but there is a fallen evil angel always working against us, and that is Satan, also called the devil, Lucifer, the father of lies. And he would love to make our relationships all mixed up. He would love to whisper in your ear that you are no good, that your dreams and vision will not be realized, that your relationships are doomed. Pope Francis recently had some thoughts on Satan. I was surprised. Here's what he said recently in a sermon last month at St. Peter's Square. Living in the age of information technology, we know how important it is to know the password in order to get into the programs where the most personal and valuable information is stored. But spiritual life, says Pope Francis, has its passwords also. There are words that touch the heart because they refer to what we are most sensitive to. That is the devil. Knows these passwords well. 
And it's important that we know them too so as not to find ourselves where we don't want to be. Temptation does not necessarily suggest bad things, but often haphazard things presented with excessive importance. In this way, it hypnotizes us with the attraction that these things stir in us, things that are beautiful but illusory, that cannot deliver what they promise, and therefore leave us in the end with a sense of emptiness and sadness. And that is why, dear brothers and sisters, it is important to know ourselves, to know the passwords of our heart, what we are most sensitive to in order to protect ourselves from, the, from those who present themselves with persuasive words to manipulate us, but also to recognize what is truly important to us, distinguishing it from current fads or flashy superficial slogans. The Pope goes on with a few more lines. Many times <clears throat> what is said in a television program in some advertisement that is made, touches our hearts and makes us go that way without freedom. Be careful about that. Am I free or do I let myself be swayed by the feelings of the moment or the provocations of the moment? Pope Francis, October 5. I believe Pope Francis is correct. There are passwords to our heart that the evil one knows and he knows how to get us upset and angry and be in a non-forgiving mode. And he knows how to get people to press our buttons so that he can make us angry and hurt and want to retaliate. But I say, change the password. (laughs) Change the password to your heart. Put in Jesus 2022 or Fruit of the Spirit 2022. Protect your heart through prayer and the reading of the Bible. When there is a password violation alert and the devil is working his way into your mind, When you get unusually angry or anxious, maybe your password has been breached. Your security has been hacked. And in prayer, seek the Lord for the fruit of the Spirit that we might live by the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Another reason we are weary is that we are physically tired. All I can say is that we are, if we are physically or emotionally burned out or near burnout, we need to rest our bodies and souls or else we will not be able to do good. The Bible says your body is the temple of God. So take care of it, rest it well, feed it well, Exercise it well. Remember your chat question. Take care of your body. Value your health more than your work. For you're no good for doing good if you're burned out. Another reason we're weary in doing good is that life is unfair. And back in the day, you know, I know this will shock the younger generation. We used to sell CDs of our sermons that were reproduced immediately after the service, and people would go to a table and buy CDs. Interestingly, whenever I preached on forgiveness, we sold more CDs of my talks than on any other topic. And the reason forgiveness is so important to people is that we are dealing with events or people that are often unfair, and we can get weary um, by that. We struggle with forgiving people. 
But one of the ways we can get through the fact that life is unfair and that people treat us unfairly is when we realize there are unenforceable rules, meaning rules we want enforce as true, but it is meaningless to try to enforce them for they're not true. And then we get frustrated when we think these principles have been violated by somebody and we get all angry. I learned about unenforceable rules um, from a great book on forgiveness by Fred Luskin of Stanford University. Um, and the book is called uh, Forgive for Good. Uh, it's not a Christian book, but it has some good ideas. And part of his theory is that not everyone is principled. When you expect everyone to be principled, you will always be frustrated and hold grudges. And Luskin says it will be to your detriment if you don't forgive people. By not forgiving people, you get into this rut of obsession over the other person's fault. And when you get caught in that constant whirlpool of grudges or resentment, you drown. And one way to not drown is just to accept that people are not principled. Jesus would call that the doctrine of sin. So stop making up rules in which you think people should abide by. Don't try to enforce non-realistic rules. He states clearly the reality that not everyone is principled. So here are what Luskin calls these false unenforceable rules to accept in life. Okay, the first one is going to be harsh. Number one, my partner has to be faithful. I know this is a shocker, but Luskin says there is a risk in love and offering trust. Rewards are great, but there are no guarantees. The fact is between 20 to 30% of spouses are not faithful. Number two, people must not lie to me. One can hope people will be trustworthy, but they're not always except the fact that not everyone is honest. Number three, life should be fair. It isn't always fair. We need to learn to deal with life on life's terms. Number four, people have to treat me with kindness or care in the way I want. I want. People won't treat you the way you want because you may not have communicated your needs properly or they don't have the capacity to love you the way you want. Number five, my life has to be easy. Luskin says many of us forget that it's great to hope for wealth and pleasant experiences, but dangerous to expect them. It should be, I would love an easy life, but until I get one, I will appreciate the one I have. Number six, my past should have been different than it was. Luskin says, for example, I would have liked my parents to treat us equally, but you can't change the dreams of, for your past. And finally, number seven, my parents should have treated me better. And Luskin states, one can hope for rather than demand for a loving parent and we can find elder adults willing to mentor and guide us. The book is Forgiveness, for, uh, Forgive for Good. And if you can't remember the seven points, aren't you glad on the website we put the whole text of our sermons? Or you can hear it again or see it again. 
Much of what we've talked about today is facing reality as it is. Mental health is seeing life as it really is, not as we want it to be. And I know the pandemic has been hard, but that's life. We will get more weary doing good when we think life should be easy and fair. But what can give us strength is that we can know life is hard. Life is unfair. But we are called to make this world a better place. Hence the best and most durable and reliable and realistic source of strength and hope is that we follow a God who lived a life in all of its unfair ways. When God was on this earth as Jesus Christ, we learned that he was betrayed by his own friends. He suffered injustice from a horrible trial. He was beaten and then put on death row for a crime he never committed. And I don't know anybody as Jesus who was so constantly misunderstood and criticized, hated, betrayed, abandoned, tortured, and then executed for doing good. And he was perfect, the most moral man of all time. He was God who came to earth, and yet he was persecuted. But he was all about doing good and never giving up. Remember, even never having the cup of God's will pass from his lips. Even on the cross, he looked down, and Jesus only saw one of his 12 disciples there, John. Only one. The rest were hiding or denying that he even existed, even though he lived with them daily for three years. They knew him, and yet they abandoned him. But before he died, he told the disciples that they would be persecuted and sifted like wheat, but that he would give them and us his Holy Spirit, who would be our comforter and counselor forever if we choose to follow him. And it's because of his spirit that he gives to his followers that we do not need to be weary in doing good. We have his cause in our hearts. And we can grow to a maturity where we would be willing to give our life for Christ and his cause. And many over the centuries, starting with his disciples, are willing to go to death for Jesus. As a follower of Christ, would you be willing to give your life for him? We, Ross sang a song in the prelude about carrying our cross and living for Christ. Would you give your life for him? And you're saying, whoa, I don't know. You mean die for him? I mean, who would give their life for a cause? And it's a decision I once had to make going to a certain area of the globe to preach the gospel. You know, this is Veterans Day weekend. Think about this. Veterans, when they join the military we're willing to give their life for this country for you. Police officers, firemen, early responders are willing to give their life for you as they did at 9-11. Do you realize that? Doctors, nurses who go to some areas of the globe also. When we become Christians, did you know that it meant, like the military or early responders, that you are willing to give up your life for others and, more importantly, for Jesus? And you say, uh, oh, no, 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 not, not I. You see, I follow Jesus because he needs to make me happy, and I get to sing the songs I want and be comfy. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, 
Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Five chapters later in Luke 14, he says, Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Ouch. Do we treat Christianity as God has to give his life for me so I don't have to do anything except live my life, which most of the times is sinful, and then ask for your forgiveness later, God? We can think he is our butler and we are the master, or are we willing to serve him with our lives for he is our true king? I want to close with two real-life stories. Through Hawaiian Islands Ministries, I have had the privilege of interviewing in our conferences or on our hymns monthly webinar um, some really courageous Christians. One was with Brian Stevenson, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. His organization takes a stand for, among other things, those who have been wrongly convicted and put on death row, like Jesus, and he contends against other forms of racial injustice. He constantly has to work against racism and difficult judicial decisions. Um, Stevenson's um, life has been uh, depicted in a book and movie entitled Just Mercy, and his TED Talk had an amazing 8 million views. And I asked him during an interview the question, how do you not get weary in doing good? I actually asked him that exact quote. And he responded by saying this, and I quote him, I feel blessed to have a long view of the struggle. I'm running a marathon and not a sprint. And you know you're going to get tired. You know there are going to be moments when you feel you can't go on. But I get strength from those before me, like our in memoriam slideshow. It was graced by the grace of God that something better would come, that my parents would love in spite of being enslaved. I lived in Alabama where we did so much more with so much less. My relatives and friends would put on their Sunday best and then march against racism even though they would be beaten up. Is really about believing in things we have not seen, not a pie-in-the-sky stuff. Hopelessness is from the enemy of injustice. Hopefulness is a gift from God. That's worth tweeting. The challenges and struggles, they will, they will not last always, and that's how I make it. I live by God's grace, and I've read over and over again that God's grace is sufficient, and that comforts and consoles me. When I finish the prayers and the music others have sung before me that we take nothing with us, that is the beauty of it. Brian Stevenson. It's a slow and laborious process, but Brian Stevenson has argued and won multiple cases at the United States Supreme Court. Brian Stevenson and his staff have won reversals or relief or release from prison for more than 135 wrongly convicted or unfairly sentenced. I interviewed in um, one of him's monthly webinars, which you might consider listening to, uh, Anu uh, Kanjanatopal, the head of International Justice Mission Canada a ministry that fights against sex slavery by rescuing children and adults from brothels and tries to prevent the industry from growing. I asked her the same question. How do you not grow weary from doing good? For there are often 
police and judges and, of course, pimps who work against you, especially in her former work in India. And her answer surprised me. It was one of my most touching moments in listening to somebody. She told me that years ago, as a young adult, she was assaulted by some men. So badly was her physical and emotional trauma that she was bedridden for a year and she could no longer talk or walk. So traumatized. And she felt trapped in a bed, just lying there. She said her father had such a hard time with that. But she had a faith that believed that God would do the difficult and right thing in her life. She said, while in bed, quote, I know, God, you're doing this, but there's something in me that something's going to happen, and I'm excited for that. The Lord gave me encouragement to know that God would not do this without my having a full story. Those who feel, I'm done, I'm done with God, they need to know the gift of salvation, of understanding and starting to get to know him, is just the start or, or end or in between of the story. It might be generations, but God knows the end. And knowing that helped me get through that difficult year. The decision to stand up and walk, despite the doctors saying it would not be a possibility, was also my standing out in faith. After that, everything that came to me basically was a gift of fearlessness because I knew once I'd seen it, there's no going back because God, because God has it. So if you can believe that, after that assault on Anu, she believed there was more to the story and she would keep the faith. And years later, hard to believe, she is now the executive director of the International Justice Mission for Canada. And here she is called to help others who have been brutalized, assaulted, and enslaved. IGM has has rescued globally more than 66,000 individuals from slavery and convicted more than 2,700 perpetrators. And our church was a major donor to this ministry. God has plans for all of us, maybe not in that magnitude, but always remember the story is not over. Your story is not over. And God is calling us all to keep on keeping on. You see, now it makes more sense of what Paul wrote in our passage today. He told the Christians, don't be idle. He asked, are you really working to expand the work of God in our families, the neighbor, our neighborhoods, our jobs, the state, the world? And remember at the end of the Galatians passage was this very weird verse that Paul said, look how big the letters I am writing because he was trying to exclaim this from the rooftops to say, what I am saying is really, really important for your endurance, for your purpose, your mission in life. He hand-wrote his papyrus letter in the biggest font that he could. Now it makes sense. When Paul wrote these, in these big letters, do not be, see, de be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. But those who sow to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let 
us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul is hoping that there will be a harvest. The harvest is that there are people we gathered who now know Jesus because of you doing good. And there are people who have been helped in this journey, in their journey, not because they follow you, but you told them to follow and trust God who gives them the spirit who will strengthen them and encourage them and comfort them. So do not be weary in doing good, for your story is not over. Amen? Amen. Amen. As the worship team comes up, um, I just want to have a prayer time. And maybe I'll ask the prayer team to come up here also uh, in the front. And as we sing this next song, I think there's some people here who would just love some prayer. And somehow, by coming up here, God is saying, there's some people I really want to encourage. And they're having a tough time. And they want to throw in the towel on something. And maybe it's a job or a relationship. It's just hard, like being a parent or being in some kind of situation. And as we sing this song, I would love to invite you to come up. And we would just like to pray for you very shortly. And, and, um, and in that time, there might be a wonderful supernatural falling of the Spirit that you might feel the presence of God and be encouraged in a most significant way. So as we sing this song, let's stand. And those of you who would like some prayer, come up forward now, that somehow when we do that, God really meets us in an incredible way. And those who want prayer, please come forward as the elders and the prayer team and staff are up here. Well, just before um, our last song and uh, I give the benediction, um, I want to say a couple things is that uh, those of you online, I forgot to mention that if you do want prayer, there's a button you can hit for prayer or even that you just want to talk to somebody about committing your life to Christ. So there are buttons for that for you. Um, and then for here in person, don't forget the Hebrews um, and the mini bazaar and the food at Honey's down below. And if you want to talk about the sermon today, we have small groups meeting to do that in the fellowship hall uh, right after the service. Look for the blue tablecloths. And um, the final thing is, you know, uh, there's a prayer team and sometimes we think God talks to us about certain things. And um, uh, it came to mind that, uh, and I've suffered from this myself, if it, there may be a person here who is uh, battling shingles and God wants to give them a touch of love and maybe hope and maybe healing. And so if that's the case, the prayer team is still up here. We'd love to pray for you. So now, um, let me say the benediction and then we're going to have a final song, right?
Okay, and oh, we have Sojin here too. So that's wonderful. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may he know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you all online and God bless you all here at Ko'olau. Ahui ho. See you later. Go to the places I told you about. See ya. Bye-bye. Life here on earth doesn't get any easier. With Jesus as our model, let's persevere through our trials and continue to do good, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Prez for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Prez. You can also sign up for emails, listen to, or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, please reach out through the website or call us at 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.